Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. You know, when I think about those that have inspired me the most through my career, that combination of inspiration but resilience, I think, is the, is the killer combo for yeah. me when it comes to leadership. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Tim Robinson. Tim is the founder and CEO of Doddle, a fast-growing e-commerce delivery platform powering scalable and profitable click-and-collect returns across four continents. Tim is an accomplished entrepreneur with over three decades of experience working across large public sector industries and private businesses. A resilient leader with a track record of navigating companies through significant transformation, Tim spent a decade in executive roles in logistics, transport and freight, both in the UK and internationally. Tim joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Tim. It's great to have you with us. Yeah, thank you very much. Delighted to uh, delighted to be with you. Appreciate the uh, chance to chat. I'm looking forward to it. And so, can you tell us a little bit about Doddle as an organisation and what you're working towards, please? What's it stand for? Yeah, of course. So, uh, Doddle's a business that's uh, nearly eight years old now, um, and you know, really sort of founded on the back of a uh, a personal belief of mine that. Uh, whilst e-commerce as a as a you know as a as a thing uh, I think is great for consumers, great for business, great for society, uh, there is going to be a glass ceiling in terms of how much e-commerce can grow unless we as an industry, you know, and I'm a logistician by background, unless we start to make uh, you know make the whole kind of delivery methodology more sustainable and more scalable. Um, you don't, you know, you don't have to, uh, you, you know, you don't have to live in just a big, dense urban environment to see more and more white vans driving up and down your streets yeah. every day and sitting in traffic jams and, you know, kind of and reading about pollution and climate change. You know, not all, but, a, you know, a decent proportion of that is driven by the growth of e-commerce and the impact of home delivery. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, what was the catalyst for that then? Was it just something that you noticed the trend was, was changing or? Yeah, it was. I would say it was that the, the, the negative trend was around profitability, really. You know, okay. I've, uh, the, I've been in around sort of retail logistics and delivery for a long time in various forms, actually, mm. um, you know, for, right from being involved in global shipping uh, through to rail freight, through to, you know, kind of street by street parcel delivery. And, you know, what I was finding was that as we as an industry were experiencing more and more volume and more and more demand, we were seeing our profits dilute. So I'll, I'll be honest, you know, my initial, the, red, the original red flag was around profitability. You know, that was the thing that, I, that was concerning. You know, the more and more volume we put through our infrastructure through our systems through our workforce the less and less money we're making and that's basically down to the impact of the final mile about 40 percent of the end-to-end delivery cost of a you know a pair of jeans is consumed in that last mile getting it to your front door and that was having a disproportionate impact on profitability fantastic that makes perfect sense as well and so as a a leader of that kind of organization so we, we spoke 
prior to recording a little bit about the growth that you've experienced through the pandemic, mm. as a leader of an organisation in that position, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment? So, I mean, I would say that um, the, the ours is a relatively crowded space, mm-hmm. um, e-commerce and e-commerce fulfilment. You know, there are very smart, cool digital businesses, uh, you know, popping up day in, day out, more investor money going into this space than any other space globally. And therefore, uh, attracting talent uh, is very difficult because there are lots of choices open to, uh, to you know, to, to, to kind of the best ultimately, you know, and we're looking for, you know, for technologists, obviously, you know, yeah. in our workforce of about a hundred, about 60% of our employees are software engineers of one form or another. Yes. You know, we're looking for product leaders, you know, digital product leaders. We're looking for salespeople. We're looking for, you know, kind of service delivery uh, expertise. And these are all roles that are in very high demand, particularly here in the UK. And so, you know, the the, the move to, to remote working, you know, on a more prolific basis than maybe it, it, that existed in 2019 has certainly helped. The addressable market feels a bit bigger maybe than it than it might have done a couple of years ago but but i i think that's that continues to be a continues to be a big challenge but also i would say that in order for our business to to be successful you know we rely on our our software and hardware solutions to be deployed by relatively large traditional businesses um you know whilst we have a you know very good and and fruitful relationship with amazon for example as a client we also work for national post offices globally you know years of history and infrastructure and we work for large kind of parcel carriers and retailers in different parts of the world and ultimately adapting to this change is difficult the bigger you get yeah. You know, ironically, the bigger you are and the, the the greater your history, actually there are there are more more barriers in the way to uh, to evolution. And therefore, you know, we're having our sales cycle is long. Mm-hmm. Um and uh you know, and our market is geographically widespread for that very reason, because there aren't many buyers. But mm-hmm. but you know, I, I call these things challenges, but in practice. Mm-hmm. This is the world we've entered. This is the the challenge we've stilled ourselves for. And so, and, you know, it's going okay right now. Good. Absolutely. That's the way to look at it. That's the way to look yeah. at it. And so in terms of your journey into leadership then, how did that happen? Was it was it a, an organic process or were you always sort of headed for the, the chief exec seat? No, I think it was definitely organic. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, one of those that, um, you know, got into work relatively young, relatively yeah. early. So... Um, I uh, I left school without a real kind of solid plan, to be honest, about what I wanted to do. Um, my dad actually came up with a really cunning plan, which was, you know, what, how do you how do you advise your son who you know was was bright enough, but but and keen, but but didn't really have a plan. He came up with the the idea that we would write to every company we could think of with British in the title. Um, the assumption being is that they would be big. Uh, and therefore I could, you know, land and find uh, find the right path for me in the future. So yeah. British Gas, British Telecom, British Airways, you know, there was a few that weren't so big, um, it turned out, as we wrote to them, but, you know, lots of these businesses were large corporates. Yeah. And it just so happens that, that um, 
that British Rail, as they were back then in the late 80s, responded positively. And, you know, and I jumped at the chance of joining a big organisation like that. And frankly, you know, joining that in that that organisation in 1990, four years prior to rail privatisation, was pretty good timing because what, what felt like within 10 minutes of me arriving, there was lots of change going on, lots of modernization of business and business practices, and therefore probably more opportunities for keen 20 year olds Absolutely. than would have been had I arrived in that organization in a different era. Yeah, and what so, way to learn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's a great way to learn. And so I went from working in a payroll office you know, kind of managing a roster for a bunch of train drivers uh, through to working in ticket offices, into HR, and ultimately, you know, over the space of a few years, managed to work myself into kind of junior management and then more sort of leadership leadership positions and learn as I went, really. Um, you know, again, joining an organisation of that size and scale, there's also opportunities to do more academic learning. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky and was supported through night school. So I was able to then top up my kind of academic education uh, as I got a bit older um, mm-hmm. and probably a bit wiser to its benefits than maybe I was at 16, yeah. 17. Um, and, you know, and in doing so, um, you know, kind of, kind of got to, you know, learn from lots of great, people at various levels of that organization, but also those I was studying with and, and, um, you know, and getting to know outside of the industry. So it kind of started very organically and probably became a bit more, bit more of a plan and a bit more of a considered thing, you know, towards the back end of the nineties, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds as though it was almost like one of the traditional graduate schemes. You know, you have the rotation through the departments and that I, I think I'm a big believer in that because it gives you the context across yeah, the organization exactly. you understand what people's roles are and why those roles exist and the value it brings to the business so i think it's yeah, a great it was, place to start it was very much like that i mean it's mm. it's it felt like you know i was on you know a kind of a uh, a bit of an organic apprenticeship ultimately you know every yeah. now and again you would get told that it's probably time for you to move on yeah you know and the great thing about very a very hierarchical uh, kind of grade structure was you get 18 months into being a CO3 and you want to be a CO4 and therefore you're every yeah. 18 months you're looking at vacancies and opportunities and and as you say building your context as you go meeting lots of leaders good bad and indifferent yeah. along the way and taking what you can from them yeah absolutely which leads me on to my next question <laughs> so how would you define a great leader are the characteristics that you think are common across all Great leaders or is it case by case? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if I think about my own experience, you know, even right up to today, you know, meeting new sort of business leaders as you do leading a business like this. Mm. I mean, I would say there is there is a reasonable degree of commonality. So I think first and foremost, um, I feel like the most effective leaders uh, have a, are, are extremely strong when it comes to articulating the story. Yeah. You know, and painting the picture about where you're going as a as a business, but also where you're going as an individual. I think you've got to be authentic, you know, when you're when you're trying to inspire your colleagues, uh, your clients, your suppliers, you know, yeah. everybody in your ecosystem, you've got to have a really compelling story and a really exciting, really exciting plan. And and uh, and I think that that is essential. So be it having, you know, being a relatively strong orator, I think is important in that sort yeah. of space. 
But I would also say that 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 you have to be resilient with it because you know unless unless you're extremely lucky or absolutely brilliant, the chances are your journey isn't going to be a straight line. You know, yeah, you're going to, yeah. you're going to you inspire, you're going to, you know, you're going to create a vision. You're going to, you're going to get a load of buy-in and, and support from everybody in that ecosystem. Uh, and then you might have to tweak that story and you might have to, you might have to apologize every now and again, and you might have to redefine it and you might have to go again. So you've got to be yeah. pretty resilient in all of that. And, and I would say that, you know, when I think about those that have inspired me the most, through my career that combination of inspiration but resilience i think is the is the killer combo for yeah, me when yeah. it comes to leadership there's lots of obviously more tactical things that i think are important and play out but they're probably the two that stand out for me yeah fantastic and so has there been an experience or a piece of advice that someone that you've come across in, in the past has given you to shape your leadership style or your approach to i mean i would say that um i was fortunate enough you know, I made the point earlier on that my kind of, you know, real leadership journey felt like it started in the late 90s. And that was I was given the opportunity to step out of that kind of big corporate railway and join a startup, um, uh, uh, which was, you know, looking to build a new business in this new privatized industry. And, uh, you know, and the the opportunity came from a guy I didn't know particularly well at the time. We'd met a few times, you know, uh, in the industry. I was pretty young um, and he secured significant backing from a bunch of, you know, financial investors to go and create this new business and, and you know, start to disrupt, you know, a relatively traditional sector. And he'd obviously seen something in me in those times we'd met that that he wanted to get hold of. And, you know, he very quickly inspired me with the story. You know, literally, this was this was the, the he made the kind of the pitch to me the week I was getting married. It turns out the only time we could get together to chat was the night before I was getting married. <laughs> so we met we met for a drink at a bar at Euston Station, yeah. and you know, I'd been very honest with him about I've got literally an hour here because I've got. I've got stuff to do. And so within that hour, you know, kind of the, any, any kind of reservations I'd had about, you know, stepping out of the comfort of kind of corporate life and career, you know, being a career element, you know, was, were completely over, 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 overshadowed and overrun by the excitement of changing the world and doing something differently. And, And I actually worked in and around that individual probably for about 15, 20 years in, in, a, in a few different guises in that same business, re- ending with me still being a non-exec board director of that business up until 2019. And I would say, whilst that story has changed a bit, you know, um, this guy's a guy called John Smith, who founded a business called GB Ralph Rope, now a huge business, major player in the sector. You know, his ability to inspire, uh, not just myself, but, but convince uh, train drivers that had been working for British Rail for 30 years and paying into the pension fund to step yeah. out of that environment and come come and join a startup business. I mean, that was, you know, truly transformational from an industry yeah. perspective. Nobody thought it could be done. He's now got 900 train drivers in that business, most of which, you know, have stepped out from the comfort of, 
of you know kind of almost national service you know into a world where there's probably more perceived risks but has continued to inspire in that regard so I think I learned a lot from him in that regard that around you know you know make it exciting and inspiring at all times fantastic fantastic and so in terms of I guess one piece of advice, if you can put your finger on one piece of advice that has that you would deliver to someone that was in your your previous shoes, so either looking to yeah. follow in your footsteps or just about to take a step up into a, a leadership role, is there one piece of advice that you would offer them? Yeah, I mean, I I I was given some advice a few years ago, and it was it was actually recounted to me in a slight in slightly different terms, slightly different circumstances, but from two different kind of leaders that I that I have a huge lot of amount of respect for from different eras of my working life. Initially I was told sort of back in the 90s that that the important thing about building careers is work out who you want to work for uh, and find a way of working for them. So don't worry so much about the job. Yeah. You know, if you're in industry or you're in, you know, you're in in a corporate, you know, find the people that are, that, that inspire you. Find the people that you know that might just be cool, fun. You know, yeah. might be doing, you know, leading interesting projects and find a way of working for them. Yeah. You know, that and 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 make that a thing. And interestingly, latterly, in very recent times, actually, in the last sort of eighteen months, I met. Um, I met a guy who's chief exec of a very successful business out in the US that Doddle partners with. And, you know, he made, he made a point to me, which I think is very similar, but that point being that, you know, building businesses, the trick to building businesses is work out who you want to build them with mm-hmm. and make sure you build it with them. And he was talking about investors, funders, financiers. Yeah. He's like, don't just, don't just take money from everybody yeah. or anybody. And, you know, he's like, Doddle's, you're an attractive business with you know, a lot of good going on, you know, and you'll have lots of people offering you money and offering you, the, you know, the, the, the streets that are paved in gold. He's like, yeah. his advice was, you know, work out who you want to work with, who you want yeah. to invest in your business, who you're prepared to kind of to go through the good and the bad times with and find a way of getting them in. So similar advice, but in two different contexts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And so you've spoken about John Smith and you've spoken about mm. a couple of other people from your past, but is there a leader past or present that you either particularly identify identify with or are inspired by? Is there anyone sort of? I think there's a there's a couple that, um, you know, it's always, you know, when you think about leaders you identify with, you've got to be careful not to sound like you're overblowing your own importance ultimately because often they're pretty uh, pretty significant figures. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a football fan, as you know, as a hobby. Um, uh, and I have to point out right now, I'm not a Man United fan. Okay. But but one of the characters that you know, leaders that I have always had a huge amount of time for is Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh-huh. And and I think and there's a few things that he's talked about in his books and you know as he as over years as he's sort of spoken publicly, which I think really resonate me. But also when I look at how he built that very successful dynasty that he had at that football club. And it's been very important for me. And I think one of the things that stands out for me is his acknowledgement, you know, recognition and commitment to reinventing that team. Yeah. You know, to, to, you know, knowing that certain at at times, um, you know, if your product is your footballers, which was, you know, his product was his footballers and his team. He knew over, over various phases of his 20 odd years at that club that he needed to reinvent it. And he couldn't just stick with, with what he'd had previously because yeah. they would, you know, they would fall behind. 
And I think that's very important in business. And if I look at just the eight years that Doddle has existed, you know, in a very, in an emerging market that's changing rapidly, um, we've had to reinvent ourselves three times really in that period of time. And, and in doing so, sometimes, you know, you have to steal yourself uh, for you know, letting really good people leave your business because they don't happen to fit the shape and people you love and you've got a huge amount of time for, but you have to have the difficult conversation with them. You know, you've got to, we've, we've had to, we've had to step away from really kind of important, what were important at the time, products and services. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them very public in our world, in my world, because I didn't feel I could fulfill our ambition of a of scale ultimately and growth. And so being able to kind of to move on and accept that that era uh, has gone, I think, is 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 very important, you know. And but, you know, I also, you know, now for the last eight years, I've worked directly for a guy called Sir Lloyd Dorfman. And Lloyd Lloyd's a major shareholder in Doddle. He's my chairman, um, founder of Travelex, the travel exchange uh, business amongst other other things yeah. you know th- th- I think I think this, one of the things that I ad- identify with Lloyd is you know for a guy who spent years in financial services he's far more led by excitement uh, people yeah. um, and opportunity than he is the numbers yeah yeah, yeah. You know, he's kind of, he's, he, he just kind of knows. He knows when something's right, when a, di- a change of direction is right. Okay. You know, and the, the, two, the two occasions where I've had to sit down and have difficult conversations with him about, right, so the, like this phase, we've now got to hear, this has been great, that's more difficult, I'm going to do this. Uh-huh. Every time he's got, yeah, I get it. He's like, I get it, I back it. You know, he's, he hasn't required me to present detailed business you know, kind of analytics or comparables or whatever, you know, you might get in different environments. He's gone, yeah, I've got it. I've got mm-hmm. it. You know, we talk about unit economics and of the obvious things and what yeah. things might cost, but he he backs intuition and and that sense of purpose and direction. Yeah. And so I think those two things, you know, probably stand out for me. Yeah, fantastic. It's the people. It all comes down to the people, doesn't it? Eventually. It does, yeah. It, yeah. it does. And, and so what's next for Doddle over the next 12, 18 months? What's on the on the horizon for you guys? So we kind of grow, grow, grow. That's the key thing. Yeah. You know, we're in, we're in that sort of phase where, um, you know, grow from a, a revenue and client perspective, but also grow from a team perspective in terms of being able to service those clients and that growth. Yeah. We've, you know, we've, we worked out the other day that, that, um, you know, a significant proportion of our workforce now uh, has joined us between this January the 1st, 2020 and today. You know, it's a big shift for us in that, you yeah. know, so over 50%, mm-hmm. you know, and actually it's a very small percentage of our of our workforce now were with us in 2017 when we made our kind of final pivot, uh, yeah. he says, he says, having said how important <laughs> it is to change and evolve. You know, so, um, so you know, continuing to build, you know, to inspire and entice the right people into our business uh, remains very important. But we, uh, ours is a business model which relies on kind of international growth. It's part of the challenge, but part of the excitement, you know, because the nature of what we do means, you know, we're paid relatively small clips per transaction, which means you need a large addressable market. So we have a team in Tokyo. I've got a team in, in Australia, a team in the U.S., uh, and of course, here in the UK, really, that next year is about building that 
Um, we got some really exciting stuff going on in Saudi Arabia, some good stuff going on in Italy. Um, and, you know, probably among, uh, amongst all of that, 2022 for us is about the US and we've, we've just signed two deals which are pretty transformational for us. So Great. I'm at that phase now where I'm excited and terrified about yes. pulling it all off, you know. <laughs> but, what a place to be though. Yeah, what, what a <laughs> place, place to, be. to be. So I'm off there next week and I just, which is great the first time in two years. So, yeah. um, um, you know, we're, we're really excited about all of that. Fantastic. Well, Tim, I wish you the best of luck. I really enjoyed speaking with you. And not only have I enjoyed right, speaking right. with you, you've reminded me I need to send a pair of jeans back. Thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Excellent. Take it to your local Morrisons. We'll look after it for you. I shall. I shall. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Amy. Really appreciate it. Thank you.